to have learning every um I'll wait for Jeff to come back. So I'm just about to introduce our speaker who is Sarah Lipman this morning. And uh, we are <laughs> we are on our third morning of our Yarke Kala. And um, this is Jill Khan, who's the only person here that maybe you don't know. And we should expect a few more people. Oh, I see Abby. Oh, and they're Good morning. In. Okay, Abby, hi. She could just be coming in for something. Okay. <laughs> I forgot it was Wednesday. <laughs> it's Wednesday. Okay. So. So this was a good opportunity, though, for me to thank my parents again for hosting this year for uh, quite a few years now. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think if it's four or five years that we're doing it here. So I'm, I'm really grateful for, to them, to the Shoffs, for hosting us. Um, what I'm going to do today is we're going to combine topics. So Joni told me that the topic is resilience in the face of destruction. And in the davening shear, which is the regular shear in this slot, um, we're just at the beginning of the third bracha of Shemona Esrei, Ata Kadosh, you are holy Hashem, Veshimcha Kadosh, your name is holy, Ukdoshim Becho Yom Sela, and those who are holy each and every day praise you, Sela. Blessed are you, Hashem Hakel HaKadosh, the source of all might, who is holy. And that, what I'm going to do today is part of the introduction for that bracha, but at the same time, it's, I think, a preparation for Tisha B'Av. So, as usual, God had it worked out so that the topic will help us both. <laughs> so there's definitely stuff in here that I might not have said if it wasn't going into Tisha B'Av, but otherwise, um, it's also an introduction to that. So when, the, the kind of the key thing when we daven, there's a saying, I, I believe that it's in the Kuzari. I'd have to go back and look it up in some other notes, which I didn't, which is that tefillah bli kavana keguf bli neshama. That a tefillah without kavana, a prayer without kavana, which we'll come back to in a second, is like a body without a soul. In other words, the main thing, the, the, that which animates prayer, that which gives it life and reason and purpose, is what's called kavana. And kavana can actually mean two things, which of course means that it means the same thing. It's just that in English, we don't connect these two ideas. So kavana, traditionally we'd say means intention. What you're thinking about, what you intended at the time that you did the deed. That's the kavana of it. But kavana really is from the word kivun. There's, I'm not giving a shear on kavana. There are a couple of those already online, like if you want them. 10 tips for kavana, the meaning of kavana, all the different roots for kavana can also be related to a stem or a stalk or a, like a pillar. <coughs> but kavana also means kivun. Lekaven, kivun is a direction. Lekaven is to direct something. So if you're going to send something in a certain direction, direction, right, that's lekaven. Which means that kavana has to do intention, intentionality is sending something in a certain direction. Okay. So how does that come out in prayer? Uh -huh. yeah. Can I say one thing? Yeah, please. You know, kivun in Hebrew is tuning of a musical instrument. Oh. You mm. tune it yeah. right. So you tune yourself for... That's very beautiful. Yeah, that's beautiful. Wow. Didn't never thought of that. Okay. So the Shulchan Aruch teaches at the beginning, talking about what are, how do you daven? How does a person daven? What's the way of doing it? When a person gets up to pray, if he is standing outside of the land of Israel, he should turn his face back, meaning back toward where he came from, right? return his face to face the land of Israel. And, and, and it's not clear what this word means. Should I translate it as he should also have in mind, or he, he should direct himself, really, Okay, he should direct himself and his prayers. Gamli Rushalaim, Ulamikdash, Ulabes Kodshehakodashim. So a person should actually turn his face, turn your body to face. We all know this, right? We have Mizrach signs. You know, I don't know what they do in Iran. They probably don't have Mizrach signs. 
Do they have like Marov signs or something? Okay, <laughs> but you turn. But that's what you do. Okay, you turn yourself literally to face the land of Israel, and in your mind, you also direct your prayers not only to Israel in general, but to Yerushalayim, to the base Hamikdash, and to the base Kodesh Hakadoshim, the enclosure of the Holy of Holies. What if a person is in Israel? Then someone's in Israel, they should turn themselves to face Yerushalayim. And furthermore, should direct themselves to the temple and to the Holy of Holies. Actually, we can send that around. I don't think we really need it, but we can. Okay. What if you're standing in Yerushalayim? By the way, this is Halacha Lamaisa, which makes Jerusalem sometimes a little tricky to daven in, as I'm sure Muna knows. Whoever's house you're in and you suddenly say you're going to daven Mincha, you have to ask the owner which way to face. Because the streets are all curvy because it's on hills. So you can't really have a good sense of direction like, oh, because the building next to you, they might face what feels like a different direction, right? Where and is you're this? In Jerusalem. Okay. And you could be, depending on which part of Jerusalem, and you could be facing east, west, north, south. You always face toward the base of Mikdash when you're in Yerushalayim. So in Yerushalayim, you turn your face to the Mikdash and have in mind also to face the base called Sheha Kodeshem, the Holy of Holies. What if somebody is standing behind the, ka- <laughs> behind the Kaporas? <laughs> so um, we've had this conversation. It's okay. We had this conversation once. Uh, I think Rabbi Apter talked about it once in Shul. And... Um, threw me into a quandary because I have a very good sense of direction. So <laughs> you have to like, it, the way this has to mean, right, let's say somebody is standing inside the Holy of Holies between the Aron and the far wall. Hi, so happy to see you. Okay, so persons, we have more chairs right here. There's one here too. This is my good friend. She can come sit by me. Okay, so if a person is in the Holy of Holies, I'm sure more people will come before Mrs. Rabanowitz is coming in. It's later. This class was earlier. Okay, then a person should face toward the Kaporas, the Kaporas being not the Aron itself, which is, I think, interesting, but the cover of the Aron. The Kaporas is the cover. The word cover probably comes from Kaporas because it means to cover up. Okay, which has on top of it, Kruvim, two golden images of childlike malachim, whatever that means. All right, so this is something we've learned, we've learned here before. Yeah, all the rest of it you know, halacha lomaisa. But if you're in the Holy of Holies, you should turn to face the Kaporas. Okay. Okay, this is difficult. There's a lot of questions, like the Shulchan Aruch doesn't usually give you halacha for the days of Mashiach. Difficult to imagine to whom this halacha applies. Could just be that once he was giving you the halacha, he's giving you the entire halacha. I think there's something more to it than that. I think we're going to see more. But it's, it's a funny halacha. I don't know. Is the Kohen Gadol suddenly going to be doing the Avodah on Yom Kippur and say, oh my gosh, it's time for Mincha. Like, he's on such a rigid schedule. It's unlikely that he suddenly realized that while he's in there, it's time to daven. Right? I mean, beyond whatever he's doing anyway, maybe this is what he does when he says the prayer. It's when like, he's what does he need to daven at that point? He's so connected. Ah, that's interesting. Okay. I hadn't thought of that as a question. That's an interesting one. Maybe if your heart is inside the Holy of Holies already. I think that's in part what it means, yeah. Or at least it tells us if you, if you got yourself in, mm-hmm. right, now what are you aiming at? Mm-hmm. For most of us, the big avoda is to get in. And I have a few examples of that, actually. But let's wait to get to that. I think one question is, why is facing the Kodesh HaKadoshim the ultimate goal? I take it for granted because I've heard it so many times. But I'm not sure I know. Why is that the ultimate goal? As opposed to um, just facing the base of Mikdash with all of the avodah in there. You know, Shachris combines all of it. So I guess maybe because Shmona Esrei corresponds with the Holy of Holies, so then that, that's on that chart, right? That's not today's class. But maybe that's why, since that's what you're doing, that's where you're going, so that's where your mind is. I think How that's probably a reason. It's yeah. not all in other words, the Kodesh HaKadoshim is facing a different direction from the 
Okay, so in this, I'm looking at the map. excuse me a second. Okay, so this is, this is a map. If this were on the ground, okay. it would be going this way, okay, like in real life, where that's west, and that's east, and that's north, and that's south. So if this, if the Temple Mount is here, mm -hmm. the Temple Mount is, was square, and now it's longer than square, Okay, the Holy of Holies, the, the temple itself is pretty close to the western edge, which is why we have the western wall. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, we just always think east, okay? But the western wall would be behind here. It's not actually the wall of the temple. It's the wall of the area. Okay, the Holy of Holies is just on the inside of that, and you really enter from the east side. So it's facing. We faced east because we grew up in a country. Yeah, that. Right. So the answer is what we learned from Shulchan Aruch is we're not actually aiming to face the Kosel. The Kosel is over there. Right. So the Kosel is actually we're facing. The Kosel would be here. If you're standing at the Kosel, you're actually facing east when you're at the Kosel because it's west of the temple. But it's west. If you come into the base, I make that. Oh, because you're standing on this side. Yeah. You're standing facing this way. Right. You're, You're actually standing way. on the yeah. holy side. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But if you were in here, you're facing west. That's right. The Kohen Gadol, when he walked in, That's right, right, coming from this direction, is facing west. He's not facing east. Facing east is what we're used to because we live here. If you lived in Lebanon, I mean, thank God we don't now, but there were Jews who lived in Lebanon, you face south. Okay. So he walked in from here? I missed that part. Yeah. Okay. Parochus is, is like a curtain. Mm -hmm. it's, an, it's like a tapestry. It's a funny one. It's a tapestry. Okay. So within the Kodesh HaKadoshim, you also have to wonder, why is it that you would look at the Kaporis, not, I don't know, the Aram? Like, what's, with the, what's happening with the Kaporis that's so interesting? And one place that I want to take this for today, because of the time of year, because it's the nine days, is trying to find an area where we can realize something that we're missing now. So this is a time when where our thoughts are is in Yerushalayim, maybe not only when we're davening, maybe all the time. Our hearts are directed toward Jerusalem and toward the Temple Mount and toward the Holy of Holies. But what is it we're missing? And that's something that's hard for us because we weren't born when it was there. We don't have a, a good feeling for what we're missing. So that's, that's kind of the topic for today. So to start answering it, We'll say, well, that's called the Kodesh HaKadoshim, which is a very striking name, especially the first few times you hear it. Depending how old you are, you could have been very young or very old when you heard that. The Holy of Holies. What is, what is holy? And what's holiness about? It's a very hard word. Um, Kedusha is a hard word. It's not, it's not so straightforward to take it, especially from an English word, holiness. That's a really hard word because most of the connotations in English come from Christianity. And, or possibly Buddhism. Like, they don't have a lot of connection to any way that we have of understanding the world that's Jewish. So the Mesilas Yesharim, essentially, this is Rabbi Leff's definition based on Mesilas Yesharim. He defines Kedusha like this, the perfect synthesis of physical and spiritual worlds. That might be a surprise. Yeah, got a few spares. Pen. Okay. A perfect synthesis of the physical and spiritual worlds. How did he get there? So the Masila Sisharm talks about what does it mean for a person to achieve Kedusha? Well, it means that after a person has totally, and don't let this scare you off too badly yet, just give us a healthy humility, after one has totally purified himself and removed himself from all negative and unnecessary contact with the material world, one can then direct all of his necessary physical involvement toward Hashem. I just want to like rewind on that. Kedusha is a state. I'm going to combine this with how Rav Hirsch explains it, just kind of meld them together. Kedusha is a state of readiness. The holiness is a kind of readiness, and it has two parts to it. Part one is removal from the physical. I didn't define that, so the assumption's gonna be that you should go live on a mountain in a cave with like a loincloth, right? And eat bread and salt. Okay, that's not what it means. <laughs> it's not what the Masilas Yashara means it to me. It's not what the word Kedusha means. But in some way, removing oneself completely from anything extra that is physical, 
And then he can direct his connection to the physical towards Hashem. Mm -hmm. So once you hear the second part, you realize something about the definition of the first part. The part about removing unnecessary contact with the physical means physical for the sake of physical. So Kedusha is a process of saying, I want to eat this because it will taste good. I want to eat this because I feel empty emotionally or physically. I want to wear this because I want to look beautiful. I want to relate to somebody because it will feel good. All those things where the draw and the pull is the physical itself, all of that is pulling us in the wrong direction. And there, a person needs to get in control of that and say, no, I don't have to go there just because the physical is pulling me there. In doing so, one is able to also turn, in turning away from one thing, turn towards another, which is saying that there's physical involvement here, but it's towards Hashem. Mm -hmm. Hashem gave us a beautiful Shabbos. How will I honor that Shabbos? Show my appreciation for it. I'm going to put beautiful food on the table and enjoy it. Right? I'm going to go out into the world and people will look and see that this is a Jewish person. So what do I dress like? What is the message that people are going to get about the way I dress? Everything that I do that's physical can be driven by, <laughs> perhaps it's a ratio, perhaps it's one or the other, right? Physical pull or spiritual pull. And turning away from the one allows us to turn toward the other. And so Kedusha then, to go back to that definition Rabbi Leff gave, a perfect synthesis of physical and spiritual worlds. It's not a rejection of the physical. It's a rejection of physical for the sake of physical. It's control over the physical. It's self-restraint. It's not doing anything because it's physical. But it doesn't mean not doing things. It doesn't mean living on a mountain and wearing a loincloth and eating salt and, you know, like, I don't know, Melba toast or something. Okay? What it means is a Yehuda Hanasi whose table was covered with all of the most amazing fruits and vegetables from all over the world in all seasons, which like Gelson's makes us think is normal, right? <laughs> but isn't, in fact, okay? At all times, and yet when he died, he could say in honesty, I never even enjoyed a pinky worth of the world. And he was, he was the prince, and he was best friends with an emperor. Aren't we supposed to enjoy everything? Right. So he was able to, but this is the same person. He had a table that was covered with all the most delicious foods, and he was able to say honestly that he hadn't taken anything for his personal physical enjoyment. That no, is, no, that's an ideal, is but that's an ideal, okay, not living on a mountain. So it's not that the ideal is... That food for? That's the what question. Was what was for? it for? It means that in some way that was Avodah Sashem. When he put something on the table or when he asked someone to serve something to the table, it means that he was not doing it for pleasure. Now, that only comes from being able to actually restrain yourself. It's nice to say it, okay? But it has to come through an actual exercise of restraint. And then things can be reintroduced in a way that says, why am I doing this? What is my purpose in this world? Okay? If people are going to come to the Nasi's house, who's essentially the king of Israel, and they're going to see that it's like bread and salt, they're going to think that this is an impoverished culture, which is a mistake, and that's not to the glory of God. So there are a lot of people who can't see past what's superficial. You have to make sure that everything works together to help them understand this is something regal. This is something beautiful. This is something that is pleasurable in this world and the next. right? But to have that pleasure just for the sake of indulging my own self, that is not Kedusha. To happen to be that there is pleasure there in the process of my serving Hashem, that's Kedusha. That is the perfect synthesis of physical and spiritual worlds. Okay? Masilas Yasharim says that when a person has been able to go through this process, and this is a lofty process, we can all do it in small ways, and that's part of what we need to come away with. Right? 
but to achieve this at a whole level, this is like a lifetime of work. But when a person does achieve that, the person himself becomes a mizbeach, an altar, upon which physical entities are elevated in the service of God. In the same way that if you would put, uh, the, you know, the shtehalechem on the altar in service of Hashem, when you put that food into the mouth of a person who's a kadosh, where everything he's doing is for avodas Hashem, it's just as if you put it on the altar. There isn't a difference. It's the use of the physical in service of the spiritual. And that's really where the aim of Kedusha sits. Can I just share something? Yeah. I, my husband's rabbi, who is a sort of Kabbalist, he, he um, at, at a man, at Emmanuel's pigeon event, he said there's a distinction between Kedusha's Hanefesh and Kedusha's Haguf. There's like a holiness of the soul and there's a holiness of the body. And the holiness of the body is actually much higher than the holiness of the soul. I think for exactly that reason, that bringing things down physically, like using the physical really in the service of the spiritual is so much more challenging than, let's say, using your spiritual powers for yeah. spiritual reasons. Yeah. So just it's also the purpose for being here, right? The purpose the world, for being in a physical world with an, encased in a physical mm -hmm. body is in order that you should be interacting with the physical world. So mm -hmm. then you're achieving, you're really achieving the goal that you're set to do, and also you allow everything that you touch, all those physical things you're interacting with, are, are given the opportunity to achieve their elevated status. Right. So you become, that is part of becoming, the idea of being a partner in creation mm -hmm. with God, is helping other things to also achieve their goals in that way, which we cheat them of when we use them for ourselves. When I eat something in service of myself, I've robbed that handful of raisins of what they could have become. So <laughs> it, sound, it sounds silly, but think of Eliyahu on Har HaKarmel, where they brought two identical cows, right? One cow is going to be sacrificed for the Baal, for the Avodazara, and one cow is going to be sacrificed on a Mizbeach for God. And both of them are going to glorify God's name. One by not being accepted, and one by being accepted. And the cow that's being brought to the ball comes and runs and hides behind Eliyahu's coat and says, no way, I did not sign up for this. How come I have to go there? There's my brother, he's going there. I don't, you think I was created for this? Is this what I aspired to in my life? Right? And Eliyahu says, don't worry, this is what you were created for. You are going to glorify Hashem, but in a backhanded way. You're going to go and be slaughtered from their point of view for the sake of the Baal. And the fact that no fire will be able to ignite there, despite the fact that they've like preloaded the home is Be'ah with like flamethrowers and stuff, and they've got someone who's supposed to be hiding underneath and ready to light it so that it'll look like it came from out now. Okay, fine. They still can't light it. And because of that, people are going to say, Hashem Hu Elohim. And he went. He said, if you take me there, then I'll believe you and I'll go. So Eliyahu led him there. Right? He says, look, if Eliyahu really will show me that practically speaking, that's where I should go to serve God, then I'll go there. Okay, so I wasn't totally being facetious about the raisins. <laughs> okay? Like, they're also something that's created, and they also have a purpose, but they can't achieve it by themselves. They need me to help them achieve it. Okay. Now, when we describe Hashem as Kadosh, because this is also an introduction to Abraha, then what we're saying is that Hashem is completely involved with every aspect of that which is physical, and yet he is also completely removed from it. He is not influenced by it. So this is another aspect of Kedusha. On the one hand, we said it's a perfect synthesis of physical and spiritual, but with regard to Hashem, what Kedusha means is when the, when the spiritual is influencing the physical, but is not influenced in return not touched back. You can see how those, that's really not so different from the first idea of Kedusha. I have a question. I, I thought that the terminology Kedusha meant separation. Yeah, we'll get to that. Okay. We're, we're working our way in that direction. Okay. With a few detours. <laughs> okay. So over here, Kedusha means then when the spiritual influences the physical but is not affected in return. It is removed from it. That's the removal. Hashem is removed also from the... He's close in the sense of being completely involved. He's the one who provides all life and all existence. But he's removed in the sense that nothing in the physical has an influence upon him. 
He is only providing the influence in. So Kedusha for us, in emulating God, Kedoshim Tiyu Ki Kadosh Ani Hashem Okechem, Parshas Kedoshim, right? Our Kedusha demands directing and utilizing the physical world while maintaining a separateness, not being drawn down into it. Okay? You see how these are really the same idea, but it's a different way of thinking about it. When I can influence and use and have an impact on the physical world, but I'm not being pulled by it, I'm aloof from it in a certain way. It's practically speaking. There's no emotional pull. There's no physical pull. It's practical. Here's what it needs to be. It's thought through. Then that's an emulation of God's Kedusha. So Kedusha, the definition that Chazal give is prushim, hevu prushim in ha'arayos, right? What does it mean to be holy? And not only that, that you should separate yourself. Wherever you talk about Kedusha, holiness, you're talking about separation, restraint, holding back, setting boundaries. What's different about Kedusha is that it's not really a negative. So whereas Kedusha means not doing something, right? So wherever you have Kedusha, you'll, you'll have some sort of boundary, right? You'll have somebody holding back. Kedusha, excuse me, Kedusha is being careful with the laws of Yehud, the laws of Nagia, right? I mean, the big sin is like having some kind of intimate relationship. The Kedusha comes in with the added fences, right? When there's a really high cliff, you stand far away. That's Kedusha, right? You don't put the fence two inches from the end of the cliff because if someone messes up, there's no, you've now allowed them like no room to avoid disaster. I always remember <clears throat> Beis Yaakov, they talked about putting the gator, the gedarim, <clears throat> the boundaries between countries, you don't set it right at the boundary. You don't put it right, there isn't like just So that they could shoot at each other and infiltrate. You <laughs> oh, set the boundary. Farther, um, you give room for that. A mile or two. <laughs> when you care about something, when you recognize that the consequences are really serious, that's where you'll find that a person will restrain themselves more, right? You say, when the, on our street, which is really quiet, the kids can walk like on the curb. They even walk into the street and nobody gets upset. On Lincoln, if my kid's walking on the curb, I'm freaked out. I'm like, don't walk on the curb. Like, why shouldn't I walk on the curb? I'm not in the street. I know you're not literally in the street, but you're too close to the edge, okay? Mm -hmm. So Prushim and Kedusha, this is a holding back, but... What is Prushim? Prushim means separated. To, to cause a distinction and a separation. Okay. So Kedusha then sounds like a negative function, meaning it's not doing things. Kedusha is holding yourself back, which is true. However, Kedusha, and again, we're on the third bracha, right? So the first one corresponded to Chesed. The second one corresponded to Givura, which is the restraint. So then what's Kedusha? Sorry, what was the Chesed? The first brach of Shmon Esrei corresponds to Chesed. The second brach of Shmon Esrei corresponds to Kavura. The third one corresponds to Kedusha. In other classes, we're going to talk about Kedusha slash Emes slash Torah slash Tiferes. Okay, but for today, we'll, we'll be using the name Kedusha for this, for this, which is, it's okay. They're all, they all work together. Okay, Kedusha is a synthesis. It's not Chesed or Kavura. It's a new kind of thing that is a state of chesed modified by gevura. And when they're together, you have a new thing, and that's kedusha. Because kedusha isn't only a negative of holding back or restraining oneself. Kedusha is that negative with the positive. It's removing the things that are bogging us down in order to be turned toward and prepared and, and ready for the closeness with Hashem, to grow up. It's both sides of one coin. It's not two different processes. It's two ways of looking at one thing, which means that just somebody holding themselves back and having OCD is not Kedusha, because Kedusha is not just restraint. Kedusha is restraint for the sake of aspiration. It's holding myself back because I want to be something greater. I want to be somebody closer to Hashem. And this mastery over oneself is the highest possible expression of humanity because that is choosing to use the mind God gave you and the free will he gave you, which is uniquely human, 
and using it to control your physical body. And that, Hirsch points out, that does not consist of neglecting, curtailing, killing, or doing away with any of one's powers or natural tendencies. It doesn't mean that. It means controlling them. Under, making a choice, using your free will, that even though you might feel certain things, you're going to choose what you're going to do. Maybe you'll do them anyway, but you're choosing them. And maybe you'll choose not to. And that the pra- but that we need to practice this. This is the, the really important lesson Rav Hirsch takes out of Kedusha, is that it needs practice. You actually have to exercise it. You have to choose something. He says, choose something permitted to you. You don't want your fence on the end of the cliff. You choose something permitted and you say, I'm only going to have that on Shabbos. Or I'm not going to eat that food because that food is a taiva for me. I only eat it really because it feels good. I, I hate to mention it, right? Or there's the, um, there's the fast where you don't finish everything on your plate. You always leave a little bit of each thing. That's very difficult to do. <laughs> okay. That's called making yourself holy actually practicing it through things that are permitted to you. And you're doing it for the sake of God. Okay. Because Kedusha, the exercise of Kedusha, is an expression of free will, it's an expression of full humanity, that means it's an expression of Tzelem Elohim. I'm not going to go through all the steps as to why that's true. Take my word for it. But it is. Okay. So is the... The ultimate goal to avoid the physical having control over you. Yeah. So right. it's a constant battle. Either you're right. going to have control. That's right. Over the physical. That's right. By endorsing the spiritual aspect, or the or the ultimately, if you don't put up these separations, the physical is going to control your That's life. That's right. That's right. It seeps in. It always will. Yeah. And that's why the practice is in very small things, by the way. You build Kedusha in very tiny areas. That's how you build the ability, is in small things. And then you have it for big things. All right. Which means that through our Kedusha, we proclaim Hashem's Kedusha. This is like a very deep concept. I'm not going to go into it in much depth right now. But through our own expressions of Kedusha, what we do is proclaim out into the world and through use of the world, that Hashem is Kadosh. Because it's His Tzelem, it's His spark within us that we're using. That's our use of free will that we utilize in order to make a choice. And furthermore, the, the choice that we're making is a choice of Kedusha, of saying Hashem's service, Hashem's goals are what matters to me. It's a proclamation, but it's a proclamation that is quiet and private. And when a person is growing in Kedusha, that growth is, I wouldn't find the, the words here, I don't know that I can. It's quiet, it's private, there's no fanfare, and nobody knows about it except the person and God. That's another aspect of Kedusha, which is important to realize because sometimes it's hard to do something that nobody else is going to know about. You don't have the benefit of the sort of support of feeling like, oh, well, people will admire that, which can be a helpful tool if a little bit, let's say, superficial towards helping us do the right thing. Here you don't have that, but that's also a comfort to understand that that's how it's meant to be. With Kedusha, if only you know, that could be a good sign of success. Okay. Now. This where I want to end this piece of what we're talking about, this idea of defining Kedusha, is this concept that Kedusha has its two sides, turning away from the physical and turning toward the spiritual as aspirations, okay? The spiritual aspirations versus physical aspiration. And the fact that that Kedusha is not similar to Hashem's Kedusha, it is actually an expression of it a proclamation of it, an outgrowth of it. Okay, that's important because, number one, that's very inspiring. The idea that maybe I can't become a kadosh, but what if I could become a little bit more kadosh than I am? That would give me like a, a 
toehold, like into something very enormous, much, much bigger than myself. The idea that something I could do and maybe nobody will know anything about is going to, right, if, if I'm going to choose this shirt or this shirt, and this shirt I already wore this week because it's the nine days, and this shirt is freshly laundered, who's going to know? Hopefully nobody. Hopefully the old shirt doesn't stink. Nobody's going to know, right? <laughs> okay, if it stinks, everyone, everyone's on to you, okay? Nobody knows. But, but all of a sudden, there's something about me and my choices that is it's not similar to God. It's actually an expression of God and godliness, an outgrowth of his presence in the world. That's a very exciting thought. That is that positive spiritual aspiration that's the other part of Kedusha. It's not just holding back. It's holding back because I aspire to be greater than I am, maybe greater than I can be. But I want to have, like, I want to be in that, like, touching it, tasting it, something. Be a part of that. Just and think, by, I think, yeah. Excuse me, I just yeah. think about all that we do in our homes, you know, with the kashrut and checking the That's right. And who knows? Who knows? You know, but every moment That's we're, right. we're really involved. That's in a it. perfect, perfect example of kedusha. Right? Every time you say, well, I'll ask about this. Well, I won't put it in. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'll check. The, let me check again. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is that a bug? Oh, I'm sure it's not. <laughs> Hang on. Let me check. Right? Like, Organic who's broccoli. Gonna... It's 12 times of checking the oh. other day. And did you get a clean? I did. It was, just, it was like, I just couldn't. But who would know? Did you find a lot of bugs? Fresh, unbelievable. Really? It's unbelievable. Okay. Okay, so. It's not worth it. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Maybe for the sake of the Kedusha, it was worth it at least that time. I, don't know, I might think twice the next time. But, but the next time you go to the store, right, even the choice that's going to happen there is now going to be coming from Kedusha. Or it can be. Okay. By the way, the fact that we say kedoshim to you, the fact that in this bracha, it starts with atah kadosh and then ukedoshim yom. The kedoshim are, are either people or malah, right? It's us, the holy ones. That's calling to everybody. That, on the one hand, this is something so lofty that in the description of Mesilas Yasharim, it's like, let me read it and see what I could get from it, but that's not me. I can't, I don't see how I could get there. And yet kedusha is actually something that is a, a calling for all of us. The whole Klal Yisrael, right? That's what Korach tried to say. Everyone is holy. And the answer was, no, Kadoshim to you. You should become holy. It's not that we're Kadosh now. But God wants us to be becoming holy. It's a process. It's an exercise in becoming holier. That's Kadoshim to you. And that is something we can all achieve. Okay, so Kadusha, the perfect synthesis of physical and spiritual. Kadusha, control and restraint from physical pulls. But also... That's driven by the turning towards, the choosing of God, <coughs> excuse me, of godliness. Kedusha is perfect readiness for greatness. Kedusha is an expression of free will, divine aspect of self. So what's the Kodesh HaKadoshim? And what does that have to do with anything? Okay. Piece number one. The Kodesh HaKadoshim is the site from which the world was created. Right? Hashem took, drew the whole world out in this place at the Evan Hashasiyah and then drew like a, you know those like tote bags that are about an inch big and then you turn it inside out and you unfold it and it's like a poncho. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so it's like so difficult. You come to, so you come down to physical examples. Anything is ridiculous. Okay? You know what I'm talking about. Okay? So you turn it inside out and you start pulling it out. Okay? That's, this is a marshal for how God created the world. That he took, he took this Evan Hashasiyah, right? And from here, he drew out and created an entire globe, a whole planet. So that's this spot. So right away, you could say, ah, okay, so the idea that Hashem is influencing the physical, and yet he is totally removed and not influenced by it. That is the uh, ultimate location of that, because that is the source of all that is physical. If everything, the whole universe was drawn out, all of physical matter was drawn out from this point, then this is the point where the spiritual enters into the physical. Okay, that's one piece. Here's another one. This is from a Gabar and Bava Basra. Amar Rav Lebi ve'esema ve'esema Rabbi Yochanan. Dover ze mesoras biadenu. We have a mesora in our hands, me'avosenu, from our forefathers. It's an interesting statement, right? There's a whole group of these. This is something that we have as a mesora. This is something that has been handed down father to son, teacher to student. 
from our forefathers, Makom Aron Ukruvim, the space of the Aron and the space of the Kruvim, okay, the images that are reminiscent of childlike male and female Malachim, Eno Minhamida, they are not part of the measurement. They take up no space. Okay, when you calculate the size of the Kodesh HaKadoshim, the Kabar goes on to give the example. You calculate the size of the Kodesh HaKadoshim, you calculate the size of the Aron, you calculate the size not only of the Kruvim, there's two sets of Kruvim. There are the Kruvim that are on the Kaporas, and there, there are Kruvim which Shlomo HaMelech built, which were even bigger and stood over spanning the entire Aron. And you add it all up and it doesn't fit. And the Masora is because you don't calculate the Aron or the Kruvim. You calculate the wings of the Kruvim, but not the Kruvim themselves in the calculation. Okay? This doesn't work so well on like architectural graph paper. Okay? <laughs> That's a funny statement. It's a funny statement. So, so how did they get in there? I mean, they're in there. How did they get there? It was a nace. This is the Masara. It's a nace. <clears throat> in other words, the Kodesh HaKadoshim is a place where the concept of dimensional space, minhamido, it's not part of the, mido is like a dimension or a measure of dimension. The Kodesh HaKadoshim is a place where dimensionality is kind of squishy. It's not really a limitation. Why is that? Because this is the place where physicality enters into the world. It's coming in through this spot. This is the, port, this is the porthole, <laughs> right? So it's all just coming through here. The limitations on the other side of the hole, there is no limitation of time or space. That's the infinite. On this side, it's the finite. So at that place where they meet up, what the Gemara calls where heaven and earth kiss, okay? At the place where they kiss, just like in a mikvah, where you could have a bor hashaka, you could have a hole that kisses between a regular pool of water and the mikvah pool of water, okay? There's a place where there's sort of a, it's not a boundary line, there's a place where some of the water from each one is mixing. That's the Holy of Holies. That's where heaven and earth kiss. And so the Holy of Holies then, the Kodesh HaKadoshim, in being described as that which is Kadosh, of that which is Kadosh, if Kedusha is that influence, that hashpa into the physical, that is not itself touched by the physical, then this is the influence of that which is spiritual, sorry, upon that which is spiritual, which is influencing the physical. And therefore, it's not really of this world. It's a sort of an embassy of the other world within this world. It doesn't belong to this world. We have the same thing with the Mishkan. It's a place that is, it's literally an embassy. It's an outpost from a different world that's in this world. But it's not limited by this world because that's the definition of Kedusha. Not bound by the limitations of the physical or the pull of the physical. That is Kodesh HaKadoshim. Why is it called the Aron? So this is a, a Talmud Yerushalmi in Brachos. The Aron is called the Aron because from there, Ora, light, Aron, that which is light, <laughs> gives light. Okay, because from there, light comes out to the world. Another explanation, okay, that's one explanation of our own. Let's leave it with that. Devere, why is the place called Devere? Now, why am I bringing this? Because we have a question. We see the word Devere here and there. It's not the most common word, and we tend to equate it with Beis HaMikdash. What the, what the Yerushalmi is telling us is that Devere doesn't mean the Beis HaMikdash in general. Devere means the Kodesh HaKadoshim. It's a specific part of the Beis HaMikdash, the Holy of Holies. Why is it called Devere? Because from there, Dibros Yotzos Laolam. Torah comes out into the world. Oh, that makes sense. You've got the Aron in there. What's in the Aron? The Luchos. But they're not just sitting there. <laughs> okay? This is where the power and the spirituality of Torah is coming in and creating the world and filling the world with Torah. So the Kodesh HaKadoshim is this place where Torah and light are coming into the world. Excuse me, sorry. And, yeah. the, and the luchos, I understand, are buried underneath there. 
now. Yeah, yeah. but they were oh, there yeah. inside. Yeah. Oh. They were inside. Mm -hmm. They were inside the Aron, inside the... Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that we didn't know where they were close. We don't know, but they're somewhere under there. Mm -hmm. Could be at the core. They hid yeah. them, right, but they hid them afterward in the tunnels underneath, and they're still yes. under there. It's on that basis that the second temple had Kedusha right. at all. Right. And that's why the Temple Mount still has Kedusha, is because the Aron is still there. Right. The Rambam takes... No, no, there are things there, but not that. Nobody found those. The Bablum didn't take it away, Nebuchadnezzar didn't take it away, the Romans didn't have it, it wasn't in the Second Temple. The Vatican temple. has a lot of the... Right. No, but the Vatican has what the Romans took away. But during the second, that's the well, Second like the Temple. Menorah? The Second Temple didn't have the Arun in it. It was never removed afterward. Like the menorah? The menorah, probably, yeah. From the second one. Yeah. Yeah. Do they, does anyone really know? Sure, it's right there on Titus's arch. They yeah, show them carrying the arm. I know, but I'm saying. Oh, it Long seems like right it. I think so. <laughs> I think, I think it's assumed it's there. There are people who've been down there. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Hang That's on. That's interesting. Yeah, okay. All right, so devir is meaning like the word ledaber, the word of God speaking. What is the avoda in the devir? So I want to give you an example. Hi, come on in. Later in Shemona Esrei, Ritzei Hashem Elokeinu ve'amcha Yisraelu v'svilasam. Hashem, please find favor with your people of Israel and their prayers. V'hashev es ha'avoda l'dvir ve'secha. And return the avoda to dvir ve'secha, the dvir of your house, which now we know means the Kodesh HaKodeshim. And Rabbi Moshe Eisman said, wait, what avoda is in the devir? We're saying, please return the avoda to the devir. What are we talking about? There are two possible explanations. One is the avoda in the devir, which is bringing kitoris on Yom Kippur, once a year. But in the context of the rest of this bracha, it's a little hard to understand that this is referring to something that's once a year. We say it every day. Okay. Also, because of what the whole bracha is, please desire the Jewish people and their prayers and return the avoda to the devir, and the, and the fires and the prayers should be accepted with love and always be present, and may our eyes witness the return of the Shekhinah to Tzion. It doesn't really sound like it's talking about Yom Kippur, per se, right? There's another avoda that's in the devir, and that's the avoda that we saw, let's say, in the Shulchan Aruch. It's the avoda of davening and turning your heart to the Kodesh HaKadoshim to the point where you actually direct yourself there. Now, you can't walk in there yourself, but your heart can. And that avoda is true during the time of the Beis HaMikdash and also not during the time of the Beis HaMikdash. I'll give you an example of where we see that. Um, on Hanukkah, when we say Al-Hanisim, in Benching or in Shemona Esrei, there's a very interesting statement. The Achar came afterward, after the wars, your children came into the dvir of your house. The dvir, that I mean, helps you understand why it's in Ritzei. <laughs> We're talking about the same thing. They came into the Kodesh HaKadoshim of the, of the temple. Ufinu They cleaned out the hechal. They purified the mikdash. And lit candles outside. So if you look at the map, that's actually describing all four areas. The Kodesh HaKadoshim is the devir. Pinu es hechalecho is the hechal. That's the main Kodesh, the sanctuary. Tiaru es mikdashecha is referring here to... I didn't make a separate thing of it, but like the inner courtyard, meaning the temple area, but not indoors. And he'd likuneros and lit candles, bechatros katshecha, in the outer courtyards. They lit the candles that they wanted everyone to see it. Normally, you light the candles inside. The menorah goes inside, but the chashmonoim lit the candles outside for people to see it. We talked about that one year, Hanukkah. What did they do in each of these places? They cleaned, they were, they were metahir. What did they do in the Kodesh HaKadshim? Ba'u, they came. They came in. That's all it says. That's the avoda of the devir. The avoda of the devir is coming in. That's what it's about. It's that mechavenes libo, directing your heart into the Holy of Holies. It's just the coming. Mesilas Yesharim says about Kedusha, at the beginning, it's hishtadlos, it's effort. Right? You got to restrain yourself, but the sof, the end of it is matana, a gift. Our job is to come. Our job is to come. 
We can't do it. God will do it. But our job is to come. Show that up. is the avoda. Sorry? Show up. To show up. That's, that turns out to be enough work for us. Okay. So, if the Holy of Holies is this place where there's kind of two degrees of holiness going on, and it's the place where heaven and earth kiss, and the Torah's there, and it's shining out into the world, but our tefillos are heading into there, then what we could say is it's also a place where the Torah and tefillah meet, is in this Holy of Holies. You can almost imagine the words of Torah coming out and coming towards us and our words coming in. And that's not so strange because the Torah is God's word to us. And tefillah are our words to God. This is something that meets up. That, that come, that's what Yaakov called the Shar HaShamayim. This is the gateway to heaven. Now I'm going to tell you something that's amazing. This is really mind-blowing. And this is a Gemara in Yuma. Amar Rav Katina. Rav Katina taught, When the Jewish people would come for Aliyah L'Regel, okay, Pesach Shavuos Sukkot, you come to the Beis HaMikdash, Megalilin Lohem Es HaParoches, they used to roll back the Paroches, Umarin Lohem, and they would show them Es HaKruvim, can you imagine? They used to roll the parochas back and let people get a glimpse of the kruvim, that were alive and facing one to the other. And they would say to them, Look and see how beloved you are to God. If you could get a glimpse into the Kodesh HaKadoshim, what you would see is love. If you could see what it meant when our words are directed to God and God's words are directed to us, that intersection would look like love. So you were allowed to see? Crazy. Yeah, the Gemara goes on to say, like, when did you do that like that? So how can you read the last terrifying. sentence again? Yes. Just yeah. Last I, it's, yeah. Again. it's a Gemara in Yuma, Nundalit Amud Aleph. Look and see how beloved you are. Okay? In, in Shir Hashirim, God kisses me with the kisses of his mouth. Why is it plural? It's an interesting question. Okay? It's the asin and the lavin the positive mitzvahs and the negative mitzvahs. That's what Kodesh HaKadoshim means. It's not restraint as a negative. It's self-discipline and restraint because I yearn to be greater. I yearn to be closer to Hashem. It's, it's a negative that's for the sake of a positive. It's the mix of chesed and gavura. It's not a pure negative. It's a negative that is a positive, and it's, it's driven by the, the strength in us to do that. The strength in us to be able to hold back, first of all, is God-given. That's a gift. And second of all, could only be motivated by something very powerful. And that is a power of love. That is the power that causes the kruvim to embrace, right? That draws someone together. That's why kedusha is also kedushin, marriage. Because there's two things that happen. When a man says, hareat mekudeshesli with this ring, and she accepts it willingly, Two things happen. One is she's mikudeshes, meaning she is usher to everyone else. But she's also mikudeshes li. She is now permitted to this one. It's two at the same time. That's what we achieve with kedusha, and with exercises of kedusha. And now, I think we have to think for a minute how much we've lost. That we can't go and see a parochas rolled back for a second. Imagine that would mean once in a person's lifetime to have gotten to go to the Beis HaMikdash and to be in a position where you caught a glimpse of what it meant with, with something, you know, when you see something, you know it differently. And to be able to know that that's what's happening, that God is hugging you with that Torah coming in, and he's embracing your words coming in, and he's embracing you, that that's where you're headed all the time. Three times a day, you reorient yourself. You set your internal compass back. 
toward the Kodesh HaKadoshim. And it's easy for you to visualize where you're headed because you've seen it once before. And now we've lost it. We can't see that. How poor is our life? And what is our inner life like? I think we look for it in other things. I mean, for example, but that's a big loss because oh, that's huge. not that's directing yeah. ourselves right somewhere. So, so trying was it to, uh, trying to somewhere, trying and yet to we're trying it. to hone it, our our compasses are off. Did it manifest itself in a feeling or light or? It was a physical. They, they, yeah, saw. they saw the crewmen embracing. They saw them hugging and kissing. That's what they saw. That was a physical reality that could be seen, and. That gives you something very tangible to turn your focus to. And that when was it says when? Once a year? It says when they were Ola La Regal, oh, which so could be as much time. as three times a year. Times it's not clear. The Gemara goes on to then ask, was it every time? Well, not every time, but... So you don't think that's a metaphor? That's no. reality. Oh, yeah, that's not a metaphor. Supposedly, Mr. Pickle's father, his grandfather, great-grandfather, went to the Vatican, and he saw them there. Right, but not the Aram. Yeah, I believe so. No, the Aron's not there. There were two sets of Kruvim. They stole them. I don't know. Yeah. And he passed away because of that. Wow. Well, we'll have to ask him there. about that. Okay. So there's something that we've lost, and what we lost is the biggest part of ourselves, in a sense. Losing that. If we lose sight of where we're aiming, then we lose everything. Everything becomes poorer. Everything is less inspired. Our purpose is not on focus, which makes it harder for us to stay on focus in the things that we're doing, to keep that idea of kedusha, the idea of I'll hold myself back and not do this because I'm going to have something higher to aspire to when I don't really have a concept of what a higher thing is I'm aspiring to. That's a tremendous loss. That's a loss of purpose completely, which is a very, right, simcha is a function of knowing purpose. What does it mean if we've lost purpose? I guess that's a new definition of when you come into of mimat and besimcha. You have less simcha. You have less sense of purpose. Why do we have less sense of purpose? Because we don't see, we don't have a Beis HaMikdash. We don't have a glimpse into what's there. The place still exists. The Kedusha even still exists. Because the Aron is present. And yet we can't sense it. We can't see it. We can't feel it. So what have we lost? We really lose our sense of purpose. And that is, that adds a huge level of struggle for us. But just like there's two phases of Kedusha, there's a, a turning away from physical for the sake of physical and a turning toward spiritual for the sake of spiritual. And that one depends upon the other. Each one allows the other to happen. That's why they're one and the same. It's not two different things. The Shla says that's also what the destruction is. The destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, both times. Is, a, is like the Mishkan. The Mishkan was Soser Almanas Livnos. It was taken down in order to be rebuilt. Each time they took the Mishkan down, it wasn't for the sake of taking it down and being done with it. It was for the sake of rebuilding it. He says that process continues in the Beis HaMikdash. God took it down, but it's for the sake of rebuilding it. Okay? These are the journeys of the Jewish people going out and coming in because we were exiled from the land of Israel to Chutzlaretz. And in order to come back from Chutz Laaretz to Eretz Yisrael, that is, that is the goal and the source. It's the path back to Gan Eden. And the Golos itself is the cause of Geula. And with each Golos, it brings about a bigger Geula. It's the process itself that is the process of purification. The process of turning away from a physical implementation allows us to rebuild and face into the spiritual, and that that is true even for the Beis HaMikdash itself. So I just want to end with kind of this thought that this bracha of, of Kedusha, declaring that God is holy, and yet all of us are called upon to become holy, to be on the path, to be becoming holy. Let's call it that, becomers of holiness, right? That that's calling all of us. One of these. That it opens up. Rav Hirsch says that one who is holy or one who aspires to Kedusha is one whose praises are truly reflective of God's greatness. Just the aspiration itself, because that's the path. That's the Kedoshim Tihiyu. You will be. That's the being on the road to it. 
and that through that we should be zochet to the fulfillment of the ending of that of the later bracha, right? May our eyes witness the return of Hashem and Shechina to Yerushalayim. There's a real witnessing that we missed now, and I think it gives us something specific to really mourn. It's a real loss. Um, and may we be zochet to see it come back, Amen. hopefully before Tishabah. Okay, so I made you just like little handouts. Thank you. So, Thank you. So I, I think that it, to make it tangible, people um, align themselves to tzaddikim and rebellion because they get a touch That's of right. that holy, holiness. I That's remember right. when I was a kid. And I went with Miriam Gross. I don't know if you remember her. Sure, I do. She took her father was very close to um, to the Lakewood Russia Yeshiva, Yeshiva, I mean, and a few of them. And we went to Rabbi Olshin's home for a meal. And I was a kid. Wow. But I happened to just be there. And I remember feeling the distinct yes. difference between. Yeah. That's the best picture we can get. That's right. And the house was spinning of holiness. You can feel a buzz. I think that's a little bit what Rav Hirsch said when he said that with our declaration, with our kedusha, it's a declaration of Hashem's kedusha. But but it's, you're saying when you're the to, outside person, I mean, yeah, when you, someone you, else, a great person's if kedusha, it, if you touch it, if you see it, if you sense it in another person, it could become tangible to you. Right. Like they experience the holy, the and just but that's a difference between night and day. Otherwise, if you're in an environment of mundane and it's just day to day, and you're doing things like you said for the physicality, you can get lost and the spiritual doesn't per, uh, permeate. Come in, yeah. I mean, if it's you're really in an environment of kedusha. Kedusha seems to be like that in general. So Shabbos, right? Shabbos Kodesh. Shabbos, you can talk about Shabbos to somebody, but people don't know what Shabbos is until, until they, they see it. Experience. You have to just come and spend a Shabbos to understand why people would not do this and not do that and not do the next thing for the sake of Shabbos. And the drawing it just is, sounds so restrictive. And the drawing is always the physical, which is the food. But, but it sounds so restrictive, like, um, but the, ask that atmosphere. And tell everybody there are refreshments mm -hmm. and Very nice ones. Into the in the next room, there's tea, there's coffee, Ooh, there's orange you. juice, oh, soda, with oh, ice. It's every nice week, so, so I, I wanted to go. There's I, I can never make your sure. <laughs> 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 <laughs>